Are some sufferings worse than others? Are some sufferings less painful than others? Who decides? The simple fact is that suffering hurts and everyone has it. Though we might forget that theirs is as equal to ours. No one has more pain than we do. No one has less. Whenever I think of the word equanimity, I think of Eleanor because you brought it forward in some earlier time that it means something to you. Do you remember this? I know. I've thought about it a lot, actually. So to walk with equanimity in the world. It's been on my mind lately how much I and we maybe think we know. And because of the Sharangama Sutra, we think we hear, we think we see, and we're just sure of it. And in fact, we operate all the time. At least I want to admit I do on assumptions so often. I think I know. Our book, That Is Not Your Mind, has this little wisdom. As soon as we start discriminating degrees of suffering, we slip into triage mode, dispensing limited quantities of compassion according to urgency or need. This morning, I wanted to start off by telling you about an email I got probably a year ago. In the subject line, it said urgent. Well, you know, that's, yeah, that's a big thing, urgent. It was from a man from a man in New York who was part of the larger everyday Zen Sangha. He said, one of our priests has dementia. (laughs) For a moment I thought, is this some roundabout way of talking to me? (laughs) And it was in large letters, all caps, you know, um, on the email. He said, this morning on our early morning sitting, he forgot the words to the robe chant. And my mind ricocheted. Dai, zai, And I recalled just how difficult it was for me at the age of 26, not just at 72, the age of 26 when I first encountered Japanese chanting, how impossible it was for me to learn Japanese. 
how I stumbled and forgot it time after time. I liked the English version. That was my preference. Great robe of liberation, field far beyond form and emptiness. Oh yeah, that one I could get behind. The other one? Hmm. So I saw early on in my life, I wasn't good at languages. That's what I told myself over and over again. I loved literature. I loved music. I could not do languages. I took 11 years of Spanish in school. And at the very end, when I was getting tested for graduate school, the man who gave me the test said, you have studied Spanish, yes? <laughs> yes. And he said, can you do anything that you could demonstrate to me now that you have some proficiency? And the only thing I could do was to translate a poem because I love poems. And of course, I wasn't resistant to the poem. So the habitual self-limiting way that I insist, that I assume that I'm not good at something or that I don't like something has really stood in my way during my life. Is it true, a question that Byron Katie asks, Byron Katie, wonderful spiritual teacher, is it true? The second question, is it really true? And the third question, what if I turn this around? What if instead of saying the priest had dementia, I said to myself, what if I have some sort of memory problem? And then the fourth teaching that she says is, what would my life be like without this habitual way of thinking? So back to the email. I answered the man by saying, are you sure you heard what you heard? Might be good to pause. That was the best I could do in the moment. But I have to admit, I was alarmed. I wondered if it was in fact true. <coughs> was the priest exhibiting early signs of memory loss? Could we see that even on Zoom? But when I saw him again, I looked and I listened very hard with a new kind of attention. And honestly, everything in him seemed relatively in order, no different than I'd ever known him. Not necessarily someone who I thought of as like precision precision man, just someone I, I, I knew, knew these forms very well. But the thought did stick in my mind. And it was like a vapor trail in the sky. When I saw him, when I still see him, I look at him and I think about that accusation. 
And I know that we do that and I do it all the time, even when it's definitely not true. The man wrote me again some months later, another email marked very important capital letters. My wife, I'm sure, has Alzheimer's. I thought, oh boy, you know, here we are. Uh, so I arranged to speak with him face-to-face -face on Zoom, and we went through the same exercise of, are you sure? You think you might pause. Has she been to a doctor? <clears throat> have you spoken to anyone? And ultimately, she did not have Alzheimer's. But after living together as closely as we have, have you not thought sometimes, both either of yourself or of someone you love having memory problems? Yes, it is something that happens. Now, sadly, this man, though he discovered his wife was all right, now he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And one can see that there was almost a kind of um, you know, lead up to this situation of himself, but something that is much harder to accept in ourselves when we really realize that we are not who we thought we were, and we are not who we were when we were 26. Then in December one time I was sitting, it was a Wednesday evening Dharma seminar, and I was being asked by Norman to take over that night, which is always something that makes me very anxious. It's a huge group. And it's, yeah, it's got a little more uh, formality and uh, I think I have, you know, performance anxiety. Uh, somehow, you know, my teacher uh, asking me to do this, it, it, uh, it elevates the, the uh, nervousness for me. And I was sitting there, you know, in front of everybody in the half hour before the talk begins. And suddenly I realized I couldn't remember the before lecture chant. I got as far as an unsurpassed penetrating perfect dharma is rarely met with, and I couldn't get the next line. And I started to panic. I sat there trying to figure out how I was gonna mask it how was I going to hide in front of almost a hundred people? <laughs> but I was really busy, you know, I was trying very hard to do it. Um, uh, I, I didn't have a, a sort of leisurely uh, half hour. I had had about 10 minutes to think about this. And I thought, oh God, what will I say? What am I going to look like? But my mind 
briefly landed on the story that I've talked about, I know here, and maybe at Every Day's End too, the story of the Velveteen Rabbit and how it's been my inspiration and aspiration as I age to get as soft as I possibly can. To hope that the hair on my ears gets rubbed off from loving. That's what happens to the velveteen rabbit. And I am a far distance from that, I know. But I was able to relax and just shift my attention for a moment. Refuge after so many years of sitting on a little black cushion. Finding my way towards compassion, I I was able in that moment to meet that panic. And when I opened my eyes, I heard the bell and the chant came out of my mouth. Whole, not not in the panic of forgetfulness. But I do forget these things. I do forget. I see myself not seeing, not not hearing in ways that maybe have nothing to do with another person maybe have nothing to do with an external circumstance, but are really in my own suffering. And I think about how precious the days are, how precious it is that we are actually awake and here, that we can dwell in the place of forgiveness of ourselves and others. And I guess I have been talking about this for weeks. The forgiving heart. It comes from the Shantideva teachings. But as we've been reading the Sharangama Sutra, knowing that there's so much now that we don't see. Neil had given us a wonderful talk uh, now two Wednesdays ago, in which he showed some videos, maybe he'd do it again for us here, Heart of Compassion, where the visual was very definitely um, uh, turned upside down for us, where we thought we saw something and we, we, did, we did not, or we were blind to something that was going on. And the first thing I see in terms of a default or or a first response is blame myself. It's just another form of self-absorption. And it's just another form of thinking that I'm separate. And it is such a convenient place to go. And it's not true. It's really not true. And if I turn it around, I am not separate. I am with everyone and everything. 
And wouldn't my life be wonderful if I could proceed like that? And I can. I can. And when I make an assumption, when I see myself or I see someone else and I'm into blaming or doubting or criticizing, it just takes the pause. The pause to remember and come back and ask, is it true? Is it really true? Usually the answer is somewhere around maybe, maybe not. I don't know. In the moments where we are very sure, and I can tell you that I am sure about, I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to be ill. I am of the nature to die. That I know. I know that practicing this Dharma path is important for me, for my life. And to share it with others has meant everything to me. So I am grateful for these days we have together, for these days that wonderful poet Billy Collins writes about that I'll end this talk with. Days. Each one is a gift. Each one, no doubt, mysteriously placed in your waking hand or set upon your forehead moments before you open your eyes in the morning. Today begins cold and bright, the ground heavy with fog, the thick masonry of ice and the sun glinting off the turrets of clouds. Through the calm eye of the window Everything is in its place, but so precariously this day, this day might be resting somehow on the one before it. All the days of the past stacked high like the impossible tower of dishes entertainers used to build on stage. No wonder you find yourself perched on top of a ladder hoping to add one more day, another Friday morning at the heart of Compassion Sangha, and you're whispering, then holding your breath, placing today this cup on yesterday's saucer without the slightest clink. You whispering, holding your breath, placing today on yesterday's saucer without making the slightest clink. So that image of all those dishes piled up 
our days, our precious days, everything in its place. Each of us thinking we're able to proceed without a worry of yesterday's cup on today's saucer. We're all alive. I'm alive. Though we don't see ourselves perched on top of the tall ladder. We don't see. There is so much we assume. Let's wake up today. Let's wake up to what we assume. And let's go forward knowing these are precious, sacred days.